My name is Ellen. I'm a compulsive overeater, compulsive eater, volume eater, binge eater, and other things. I'm really, really glad for the opportunity to to do service um, and to remember what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I need to remember because I don't want to go back there. And um, and I know that if I forget, I will absolutely go back there. So um, I grew up uh, in, in a house that was sort of a very typical suburban Jewish family. Food was, you know, kind of front and center. Uh, the focus of all family gatherings, holidays, occasions, um, a lot of compulsive overdose, a lot of obesity in my family. Um, I had an uncle who was 400 pounds, my aunt was 300 pounds, my mother was 250, both my grandmothers were obese. Um, one of my grandmothers used to say, and she wasn't kidding at all, that um, if you weren't 200 pounds, you didn't have a weight problem. And I don't um, in any way blame my family for my having become obese and uh, for being a compulsive overeater. I think there's some, you know, genetic predisposition, there's some environmental stuff, but um, nobody forced me, you know, nobody put a fork in my hand or, you know, shoved food down my throat. Um, I was a compulsive overeater from as early as I can remember. Uh, I did not have a weight problem, though, when I was a kid at all. I was very active. I was a tomboy. I was always playing boxball or stoop ball softball, um, riding a scooter, riding my bicycle, all that kind of stuff. And um, But the the voluminous eating um, was just, you know, as far back as I can remember. Um, I was both a very kind of out-of-the-closet binge eater and sometimes sneaky. It really varied uh, over the years depending, you know, on the situation. It's also weird in my house because my mother was always on a diet, so we couldn't have, quote, good food in the house. Um, you know, I, I don't want to mention specific foods and, and trigger people, but let's just say when the good humor man came, we could usually just get ices. You know, there was diet soda in the house. And there was a big thing for me about going to friends' houses after school and on the weekends where they had good food. They had Girl Scout stuff. They had you know, the, the stuff I would really want to eat. And again, the you know, the barbecues, the family occasions, family circles, all that kind of stuff. Um, always wanted to eat the food. I remember this one kid in elementary school he used to have this black lunchbox, like I guess construction workers take, and um, there was a particular item he used to have in it um, that I I couldn't believe it. Like, I can't believe how lucky he was that his mother would pack his lunch and have that kind of delicious crap in it, you know? Um, so I did start gaining weight in high school for reasons that are too long and uh, not important for our purposes. And when I, um, I had gained 40 pounds, which to me was just the end of the world. And now it's, it's like a drop in the bucket, you know? Um, I took that weight off when I went away to college and I was thin. I was 122 pounds when I went off to college my first semester. Um, I I did some diets, but I didn't do certain things. I never did diet pills or anything like that because my mother did that and I, I just, I didn't want to do that, you know. Um, but I did, I did Weight Watchers, I did Tops, I did, um, oh, I can't remember what that shake was, but it was some kind of, 
shake that was popular a few decades ago. Swim fast, maybe? No, maybe something else. Doesn't matter. Um, and I did some fasting and and that kind of thing. And my body does respond. If I take care of my body, my body takes care of me. Um, I want to give some specific examples of sort of the way that I used to eat. Um, I would go to a fast food chain and I would go in and I would order and I would lie and say, okay, Bill wants this and Sally wants that and Fred wants this and I'm getting this and place the order when it was all for me. And I would eat some of it in the parking lot. I would eat some of it when I got home. I would, you know, kind of stash some stuff away. Um, I, every job I ever had in every apartment or house I ever lived in, I knew all the delis within a five-mile radius. I knew which were open how late at night, which were open on Sundays, which had um, homemade versus um, bought from somewhere else of, you know, different kinds of items. You know, I knew I worked in Manhattan for most of my life, and I knew the street vendors that had certain food that was hard to come by, like knowing the good pot dealer when I was growing up, if I really wanted to get Panama Red or something like that. Um, It was always the priority. I knew the restaurants. I knew what they had. I knew if there were certain days they had specials. And a lot of these places, I mean, they knew me and they knew what I was eating. And I moved to Brooklyn when I was, I don't know, how old would I have been, 27 or something? Something like that. And there was a deli, like, literally around the corner from my apartment. And I went in there, and I always ordered the same exact thing. I was a very ritual-oriented eater as well. And one night I went in, and I said to the owner, I said, if I told you to make me the usual, would you know what that was? And he said yes. And so every night I would just go in and order the usual. Um, And I started developing health problems. Um, I, when I was growing up, um, <clears throat> the only place that fat women could shop was Lane Bryant. They didn't have plus sizes. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have, um, you could order from Lane, Lane Bryant catalog or you could go there in person. And that's where my mother shopped. And one of my mantras growing up was, I will never shop in Lane Bryant like my mother. And the day in 1986 that I first had to go to Lane Bryant, it was just one of the darkest days of my life. You know, it was just awful. But that's what I had to do. You know, there was nowhere else to get clothing. Um, If I went on vacation, the restaurants and bakeries were always as important as sightseeing or anything else. Um, So I think that health problems... um, I started to have joint problems, specifically my knees, getting up and down. Getting upstairs was just awful. I would sometimes take two buses instead of taking a subway, even if it took me twice as long, because if they didn't have an elevated platform, um, you know, an elevator, it was just, or escalator, it was was too hard. Um, I started gaining more weight and more weight. I don't know my top weight because I had stopped weighing myself, but I know my top recorded weight was 292, and I was probably on or over 300 at my top. 
I developed type 2 diabetes, which I do have a family predisposition toward, but that's not why I got it. I got it because I binged out of my mind and was obese. And I self-diagnosed, actually, I I think it was 1998. Yeah, I took an internet quiz and um, came up like yes. And um, years later, I was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease. Um, I had vision problems, all kinds of stuff, and horrific digestive problems, horrific. Um, you know, gas, uh, alternating IBS, constipation, diarrhea. Um, I've only heard one or two other people in all the OA meetings I've been to over the years say that um, they sometimes had bowel movements that were so large that they couldn't flush. And that happened to me a lot. Um, and But nothing was enough to get me to stop eating. I came into OA the first time I was very young, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. And I have been in and out of OA um, for years and years and years, sometimes abstinent, long-term, sometimes short-term, sometimes not going to meetings, sometimes going to meetings but not being able to stop. I am a relapse survivor. Um, And you cannot scare an addict. I'm in other 12-step programs. I'm in AA. I'm sober a very long time. I was in and out for seven and a half years uh, before I hope finally got sober. But the thing is that food is different. It's different than alcohol and drugs and gambling. You don't ever have to do those things again. Whereas with spending and with food, you have to. And with sex, most people do, at least in some form. With cigarettes, you don't have to. So I heard it said in OA meeting years ago, they used to say that you have to take the tiger out of the cage and put him back in three times a day. And um, it's more difficult. It's not black and white. I'm a very black and white personality. And um, I I know for me that there were a, a few triggers for me to end up relapsing. One was that I didn't take the disease seriously enough or I thought this time it'll be different or I thought like well if I have just two of these it'll be fine rationalizing um, that kind of thing and for me the first three steps are the most important steps Um, I am powerless over food I am powerless I do not want my life to become unmanageable again And the powerlessness for me is like if a lion and a zebra are out in the wild or in a room, the lion is going to win. That's how it is for me and binge food. The binge food is going to win. Step two, the came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That is critical. Or else how am I going to do it? I can't do it. I'm a compulsive overeater left to my own devices. I don't, I don't have a choice, you know, and I don't know what my higher power is. I'm an agnostic. Um, I call it two things, my spiritual tripod, which is my own inner wisdom, the wisdom of some other people, and some supernatural power or force. I also just refer to it as the benevolent forces, powers, and flow in the universe, both within and outside of me. And it doesn't matter what it is. It isn't me. That's the important part. And um, the third step, you know, made a decision, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, 
So for me, it isn't God and it isn't him. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, I did not get myself abstinent. So I maybe partly did, but largely it wasn't me. So whatever that is, to me, I find it most in nature, especially the mountains. The mountains are my happy place. Um, but also in other kinds of nature. Um, we have trails near our house and the woods that I walk on, very centering for me. The ocean, even sometimes the lake. Um, <clears throat> animals, especially dogs, kids, flowers. That is where I can find my spiritual place. And I do a lot of service. Uh, I speak whenever I'm asked, unless I have a conflict that it just wouldn't, you know, be prudent to do it. Um, I don't read a lot of literature anymore. I used to read more, and I really should do more. I do a lot of OA meetings. I connect with people both in AA and OA, multiple programs when possible. Um, I do Step 11 a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I do it when I walk on the trails. I do mindfulness meditation first thing in the morning. Not first thing, like third thing, really. I go to the bathroom, I have breakfast, and then I I do a particular kind of mindfulness. Um, I, for me, the diabetes was so bad that I really almost went blind. Um, I I had, some people are familiar with diabetes in OA. There's a number called the A1C, which I refer to as sort of like the GNP of diabetes. And... um, if you don't have diabetes, it should be under five. And if you do, it should be under six. And the higher it is, the worse it is. And my highest recorded, it may have been higher, was 13.8, which is basically like you're going to go blind and lose a kidney in 10 minutes. But that, it, it didn't scare me enough. I remember one time I went to my primary care physician in Manhattan and my blood work, it would just, it was really bad. I mean, it was really bad. No surprise there. Um, over the years, I was on different medications, insulin, all that kind of stuff. Um, I immediately left his office and went to a street vendor and bought crap and ate it. For me, some of it's habit. Some of it is the temporary anesthesia, the ability to check out the taste. Um, some of it I don't know. But what I do know is that once it's in my system, it's all bets are off and it's it's over, you know. Um, I I do go to the recovery from relapse meeting a good amount because it's important for me to remember and it's important for me to know that it can be done. I'm abstinent now a little over, well, almost six and a half months actually, and I'm at my goal weight. I'm not at my goal weight. I think I, think I gained three pounds in two weeks or something, um, but I have a window of a like plus or minus three pounds is fine because sometimes it's just water or I didn't work out enough or whatever. Um, And mostly my abstinence is peaceful and easy, but not always. Um, Lately, it's been more challenging. In fact, last weekend, Saturday, I came closer to picking up than I have in a long time and it really freaked me out. I was really like at that point, at the edge there's a lot of stuff going on in my life, but you know what? There's a lot of stuff going on in, in a lot of people's lives right now. And um, all kinds of things. I was fired from a job in January, no warning, no explanation. I had gotten a Christmas bonus. Um, the president of the company made the point to tell my partner at the holiday party how glad, how lucky they were that I was there, blah, blah, blah. Um, three, few weeks before that, we had to put my dog down 
which was devastating. We had a nine and a half years. He was like my soulmate. Um, I mean, there's stuff. We have a, a good friend, um, her husband, who um, we know very well, um, was diagnosed with bladder cancer and had all kinds of stuff, surgery, chemo, radiation. I think he's sort of okay now, as okay as he can be. And other stuff, uh, not to mention just living in America on the planet Earth right now is just, you know, the world is just really crazy. But the food doesn't help anything, and it only hurts. If it worked, that would be one thing, but it doesn't work. It's short-term, short-term. The the pleasure and the comfort and the relief and the checkout is real. It's real and it's there. And there is food that is very delicious, and there's no way around that. Um, but the deliciousness of abstinent food and of life is so much Remind better. us. You've got Thank four you. minutes. Five, five minutes? Thank you. Four minutes. Um, yeah. is four, okay. Um, it's just so much greater. I can walk on the trail. I can get up and down. I'm not foggy. I'm not sluggish. I'm not a slave to food. I don't have to, tomorrow I'm playing in an all-day chess tournament in the city, which I've done many times. And my focus tomorrow is on playing great chess, having a wonderful time, winning, having my rating go up, maybe winning money, um, I'm going to bring two or three out of my four meals with me because I have to eat four times a day. Um, and that's fine. I mean, that's like, it's about life. It's about being able to travel and go on an airplane without having the seatbelt extension and being able to go to the mountains for a day. And if it's a little steep, that's fine. The The devastation of active compulsive overeating is so horrific. and I'm grateful. Last Saturday, when I really wanted to pick up, I didn't. I made three phone calls. One person, I got the voicemail. One couldn't talk. One, I hit bingo. And I talked to her. I was honest. I know her. I trust her. And it was great. And, you know, she didn't, like, yell at me or threaten me or anything. She just talked to me, you know. And, um, well, what would it be like if you could pick up the food, you know? And I... I was also at a, a chess tournament, and um, it would have been horrible. It would have been horrible. And who knows if I could ever get abstinent again. I have heard it said in OA, and I totally believe it. I know I have another binge in me, but I don't know if I have another recovery in me. I've also heard it said my food is planned, prepared, and prayed over, which mine is. I'm not a spontaneous eater for me. I have to plan my food. I Thank you. I don't weigh and measure. Um, my food scale broke, and but I do measure a lot. Um, I do a lot of measuring. And um, some things I don't have to, some things I do. I have uh, green, yellow, and red light foods. There are foods I can never eat for the rest of my life. And there are foods that I would never binge on under any circumstances. And there are foods that it depends on my spiritual condition. And if I'm in an okay place, I can have them. And if not, I can't. When I go to a restaurant, I go on the website first, and I know exactly what I'm going to order. And I have a backup in case they're out of it, which has happened. And I bring a meal with me as an alternate because one time on vacation, I went to a restaurant, and I had been there for coffee the day before. 
And I went the next day. They were closed. There had been a blackout in the city, which I knew because that's where I was. But my hotel got power back in a couple of hours. Next day, they didn't have power. And I had to, you know, hightail it, hoof it back to the hotel. And I had food in my room because I travel with food. Um, there's literally nothing that I won't do to stay up. Tonight, as a matter of fact, tonight, we have an elderly neighbor who we're good friends with. And she fell and she hurt herself and um, she had been to urgent care and then she started bleeding again. Somebody else had taken her this morning and she called me and she was a wreck and she wanted to know if we could take her to urgent care. And I said, yes, you know, give me about 10 minutes. And I packed my dinner, packed my dinner, brought it in a, in a backpack and, you know, in urgent care with her getting a suture, I was eating my planned abstinent dinner. Um because it's the most important thing. And I have to show up for myself in order to effectively show up for other people. So to me, this is not like an inconsequential thing. Oh, it's not like drinking. It's exactly like drinking. Um, And the effects on my life are the same and potentially worse. Um, I have almost fallen asleep at the wheel from being so sluggish from sugar and carbs. Um, I And I, I live as best a spiritual life as I can. Um, pretty good most days. I try not to debate and argue and punish and be so difficult. Um, and it's gotten, you know, better and better. And I know if I continue to work the program that it will get better still. And there's nothing worth picking up the first bite for me, for me. There is nothing, um, uh, I fed Shiva for my father and um, I brought food with me on the plane and I looked at menus when we were going to order from restaurants um, and I've also had fantastic, wonderful things where I was tempted to muck it up by binging and um, and I don't do that. So for today, um I'm really, really, really grateful, and I'll give my contact information. Um, I'll say it twice. I know I'm a fast talker, 203-470-4826. That's 203-470-4826. It's Eastern Time. Text only. You can text any time. If you don't have a smartphone and you and you can only call, that's okay, but only until 9 o'clock at night. And I would love to hear what everyone has to say and thank you for the opportunity for my gift service and um, I am ending.